Welcome to episode number 104 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. So in this week's episode, I'm interviewing Andrea Phillips, who is a fellow certified nurse midwife and private practice owner. And she's been a client of, uh, of our practice for some time, and I've watched her grow tremendously over the past couple of years. And I wanted to bring her on the podcast and have her talk about Spectrum Reproductive Health and Gender Affirming Care, which is a private practice that she has built from the ground up. And um, she's located in Bellingham, Washington. She's invested a ton in learning, whether it's through Ishwish or through the North American Menopause Society or through the um, Hayes Program. She is, um, or um, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. She is well uh, read and, and really has an incredible service that she's created for herself and for her patients. Um, I figured I would have her talk about her journey because there's been ups and downs to it. And like it is for all of us as private practice owners and business owners in general, um, she talks about some of the struggles, what she's done, why she's done it, what's worked, what's not, what the people have told her. Cause you know, there's always some things that come up from our colleagues when we decide to make a leap like this. Um, but I love this conversation and I hope that she serves as an example to you of what's possible. If you are thinking, you know, what about all the people who need a trauma informed lens for their care? And what about all the people who, uh, don't get this, a service like gender affirming care through a traditional model? What about them? This is the episode for you. And, uh, I hope you enjoy it and learn something from what Andrea has, has built and what she is building down the road. So. Without further delay, here is Andrea Phillips, CEO of Spectrum Reproductive Health. Okay, Andrea Phillips, let's get to work. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. So let's start uh, by doing this first. Please, if you would, introduce yourself to the community uh, and tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, so I'm Andrea Phillips. I live in Bellingham, Washington, which is about 30 minutes from the Canadian border, and I'm a ARNP and CNM, and I opened Spectrum over a year ago, and we do uh, it's Spectrum Reproductive Health and Gender Affirming Care, and we do just that. So um, I get to specialize in all of my things and uh, let my freak flag kind of fly a little bit. So I get to do um, gender affirming hormone therapy. Um, I end up doing a little bit of primary care as well. And then I specialize in sexual medicine and menopause and gender affirming care. You, you totally undersold yourself. So I'm just going to add a couple of other things that I think are important to just notice. Okay. All right. So let's just, let's just talk about number one, let's just, uh, preface the conversation and for all the you out there, I know Andrea, uh, and have watched her grow. So uh, I have an appreciation for this. I'm going to share what she's not sharing, which is that how long have you been in practice? So I've been in practice since 2019. Um, and then I've been at Spectrum since 2021 and, uh, yeah, we opened during my maternity leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, (laughs) so about four years of experience as, uh, an advanced practice nurse and, um, and then also you are NAM certified, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. You're certified by North American menopause society as, or excuse me, the menopause society as a, um, menopause practitioner I don't did they change the certification the acronym for I, that too? I I think it's like NC 
MB. It's like, no, no, I think it's menopause, menopause certified mm-hmm. practitioner. Practitioner maybe? or something. Or something. I don't know. I passed sure. the NAMS test. Mm, I love NAMS. The menopause society now, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we're all still adapting. To yeah. The name change. Yeah, I, we, yeah, completely. Okay. So NAMS certification on your belt. Um, so an expert in, in hormone replacement therapy. And then also you have some sort of a, um, I was looking on your website actually, uh, and you have some sort of like, I feel like it's some sort of like a obesity management or some sort of a like um, certification and or training around. So I'm a, I'm a haze provider, um, through, through ASDA, which is the, um, it's an association for like body diversity and health. And then Hayes is um, a health at every size um, practitioner, which um, I would say less of a, an uh, obesity focus and more of um, a health focus. So I end up seeing a lot of patients with a history of eating disorders or disordered eating or who are just looking for a provider um, that's specifically trying to target, um, um, you know, poor healthcare experiences that people in larger bodies experience. So, um, that can look like one, I don't typically patients that are looking for weight loss don't typically see me. Um, and when it comes to things like weights, they're optional at every visit. And I only offer them at the end of, of appointments. Um, and I've got a scale in my office and I'd say probably out of, you know, every 20 visits, maybe I use it two or three times and typically they're blind weights and they're not documented in a, uh, a way that the patient can see them in the chart. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and then when it comes to, you know, uh, a lot of what I do for pelvic health and, um, sexual dysfunction, I love serving, um, transgender clients and patients. Um, but I serve anybody and everybody with a vulva and then some people with reconstructive surgeries. And my favorite in the whole wide world is when people, um, well, I would say my favorite, but also like, you know, I wish it wasn't this way is when someone walks in and says, you know, I've had this for 13 years or 10 years and I've never had a diagnosis and uh, I can hear their story and we can do it. And since I'm doing everything from a a trauma informed patient centered approach, um, a lot of that centers around, you know, a patient's lived experience and um, a harms reduction approach. So I have some patients where I am treating um, their sexual pain, and maybe it takes two or three visits for me to even look at their vulvas. Uh, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, okay. And then do, is there something about, did you do a fellowship with Ishwish or? No. So I've just done um, some extra training through them. I think a fellowship uh, with them would be great, but um, we'll see what happens with my, uh, you know, being a parent. You're the, you are the perfect candidate for that Ishwish fellowship, by the way, like that would be right up your alley. And I'd, I think right up theirs in terms it. of just, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do a fellowship with them. And then I'd love to have a residency here. That would be, that would be like one of my dream paths. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So what do you mean by residency? So, so like, I would love to 
have a fellowship with them, complete it, and then be able to offer people a residency at my clinic. Oh, like uh, you providing them with the opportunity to learn and to, yeah. um, uh, oh, put it into practice. Oh, that's a fantastic yeah. idea. Yeah. I'd, I'd super dig it. Yeah. Um, okay. We, okay. So this is, so yeah. <laughs> so, so then you, so tell, walk us through what happened in terms of what, what prompted the decision to leave a more traditional practice? Cause you were in two practices prior right. to starting your own, um, uh, private practice. So just walk us through kind of your initial position. What made you leave to go to that second one? And then kind of what was the linchpin? Like the for, path. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, when, when, I mean, when I was an RN, I, I did psych and med surge and labor and delivery, and it was all with the goal of becoming a midwife. And I thought that, I thought that like birth and taking care of pregnant and birthing people and supporting like the laboring parent was going, going to be like the center of my career. Um, and I went into my first year of practice as a midwife in 2020, like literally January, 2020. Um, and it was at a hospital owned practice. Um, they were starting a midwifery program with the best intentions, but I think everybody had different goals for that project. And, um, I was getting lots of experience, but I was working 80 hour weeks. Um, I was fried, burnt crispy, um, by, by the end of it. And during that period, I was still, I was still seeing an occasional like menopausal patient or sexual medicine patient, but my schedule was so chocked full of like 28, you know, return OB appointments that I couldn't even have, you know, a four week follow-up visit or six week follow-up visit with those patients anyway. Um, so when I left that practice, that was probably, that was February, 2021. So <laughs> boom in out yep. fried. Um, and when I left, I was not sure if I wasn't sure how, but I didn't know how to, you know, continue to work in healthcare or if it was even for me. And I was just kind of reevaluating um, my interests and, and what I enjoyed and couldn't let it go. Um, so I was interviewing for, for outpatient um, women's health roles. And I happened to interview at a private practice that was looking for someone to just be there their women's health person. And then they also had around 20% of their, their patients were also transgender um, and um, gender expansive. So I said, great, you know, you don't have someone that specializes in that while you're, while you're getting me credentialed with insurance companies. um, Let me, let me hit up the Fenway Institute and WPATH and be your expert because that's something I want to do. And you've got patients waiting and needing that. And I've got the freedom to do it. Um, because at a hospital-owned midwifery practice, that's not where your transgender patients are going to go if they're seeking hormone therapy. Um, so I didn't have, you know, I was just, I was excited to have that that opportunity, you know, put me in coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so while they were credentialing me, uh, that's kind of where I started to dig in um, to all the research because I'm a nerd. I love data. Um, I love research studies and learning. Um, and honestly, that three month sabbatical where I was just waiting to be credentialed, I was 
digging into all of the menopause society research and it's Ishwish and like every lecture I could and then WPATH and the Finway Institute and all of it. Um, so when, when I started there, I was able to hit the ground running and, and also just really enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with all of that, but uh, as I was working there, I was, um, I was, slowly becoming more burnout. I, I think I remember our first call. Um, and I don't remember the date, but I know I was sad. I feel like even my hair was sad. I think it was like raining outside and, um, I was in my car and mm, I was, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was talking to you about all the things I was doing for this new practice. Um, and I, I had as like, a a project just to keep myself busy on, on during those three months while I was still like hiking and gardening and doing all the Pacific Northwest things. Um, I, I had started an Instagram page that I, I was, you know, sending them patients from, I was doing all of these, you know, coffee walks with um, therapists and other pelvic floor PTs and all these other clinicians in, in my um, area and and then like creating additional patient resources and all of this stuff off the clock of course um and telling you that i didn't want to be an entrepreneur mm. i was doing it all for someone else um so mm-hmm. uh and then i got pregnant and it became very clear that where i was at was not going to work with me in a way that was sustainable among many 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 other things and um decided to to pull the trigger um, during my FMLA. I'm super, super lucky that Washington State has mandated 12-week maternity leave. And because, right, well, and I ended up getting um, 16 total because I started my maternity leave at 37 weeks and had a bunch of other, you know, uh, birth complications. So um yay Washington State that is something that I've I had been paying into since you know starting to work here I think you have to pay in for a year before you get that benefit uh every state should have it amazing um, it's incredible that is right 12 weeks and even then at the end of that 12 week period I was so exhausted and it was mm-hmm. honestly amazing um yes it was super hard to start a business during that time but when I was working from home and like popping out to breastfeed and if it took me an hour and a half, because that's what my mommy heart wanted. That's what I got to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, really, what was the alternative? I mean, yeah, it's hard. Honestly, like, there was no alternative. I wasn't exactly. going to work for anyone else ever again. No, I'd been burned exactly. too badly. No, thank yeah. you. There's, yeah, I know. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, measure your heart against, um, you know, like look at it from all, all angles. Like, yeah, it's hard. And what's harder staying in a place where it's just not a great fit and it doesn't align with, you know, the type of work you do or, or, or for whatever reason, you know, uh, but I think that's particularly hard and draining, especially if you do it again and again, you know, yeah. day in and day out, you keep going to a place where you're like, Oh God, yeah, that's, that is a, right. a great recipe for sending people right out of the profession. 
Well, and honestly, you know, when I, when people talk about like, oh, I could never work for myself or, or um, something that I've heard a lot is, well, what happens when you're sick? And, and honestly, like one of the best days I had and, <laughs> and I mean, there's like lots of things, but one of the best days I had as an entrepreneur was uh, I was sick. Um, I felt like shit. And I was like, I'm not working today. And I can't see patients today. So um, I called the patients on my schedule and I canceled them. And they were, they were kind. They were gracious. It was quick. It was mm-hmm. awesome. I did not have uh, an office manager asking me if I could work from home and do telehealth mm-hmm. um, while I felt like shit. And I had a sick day and it was great. Amazing. I mean, it's the little things sometimes, you know, it's the little things. And, and mm-hmm. like the bar in healthcare is not, is not high. Like really, like I have a dimmer switch in my office. <laughs> wow. Sometimes I chart on my lunch in a cafe. How about, how about having, how about having a dedicated workspace? I am floored by the number of advanced practice nurses who don't have a dedicated workspace. I have a dedicated workspace. Like if I want to put up like some, like I have a vaginas are magic sticker back here on the wall with a care bear and a bunch of other Mm -hmm. like naked people and like fun vulvas. Yeah. I get to, I get to decorate however I want. Um, I get to. I get to drink coffee in my visits with my patient. Incredible. The, I, the bar is not, yeah, it's not high guys. Like you can do it. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing over here. I know. No, it's I totally, know. it's the truth. Um, right. Even, you know, it's funny. I, even at this little, uh, at my private practice, my location, the gal who owns it said, Hey, I have a um, two room, uh, I have an additional two rooms. Would you be interested in them if you're growing? And and I said, well, let mm-hmm. me take a look and see. And it's funny, I walked into the two rooms and they're on the inside of the building and there's no window. And I just had a chuckle because I was like, man, I've worked in so many places where there's no fucking windows and it's just dark. And it's, it's just, and I remember when we built um, our clinic here um, at my last uh, organization, one of the things that we really wanted to do was get a, an abundance of natural light into mm-hmm. the team workspace, just so you know you didn't feel like you were in a dungeon and in this deep, dark, dreary space. Like you had some ability, and there's some good data on that actually. If you give people the opportunity to be able to look mm-hmm. at things that are, you know, uh, not dry, blank, gray walls, you know, that you actually mm-hmm. can increase uh, engagement and you know, and and just the perception at work that. Right it's not so terrible. Right. So, uh, so I looked at these two little rooms and I was like, they're super nice. It would have been great. Cause I would have had a consult room and then an exam room, but I was like, you know what? My little room has a beautiful window and I, and it has on, it has shades on it so that and they're the old school blinds, but you can just open them just a touch to get a little <laughs> bit more natural light. In. And I was just like, it is one of the joys of, you know, like my space is dimly lit and my patients always chuckle when they come in. Cause I'm like, give your eyes a couple seconds to adjust. I have a small lamp on my desk. We have natural light and it's just a, it's a, and it's intentionally decorated in a way that is just really calm and peaceful. And I, I mean, like there's no, there's a reason for that. And it's these, it's just those little touches of mm-hmm. like, you know, pillows on the couch and just this, you know, beautiful little um, like I, have, I always laugh. I have a little side table next to the couch and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's probably eight inches wide on top, 
all I needed to do is hold a Stanley cup and a phone. That's it. And yeah. I, th- th- I don't need much else, but I, it, you know, it's just those tiny things that I think are, yeah, you get the privilege of awesome. doing when you're, when you have control and, in that way. And I like with my, my dimmer switch, I mean, I have so many patients that are um, on the uh, autism spectrum or have ADHD or just are anxious or whatever. And mm-hmm. when I, and I have light sensitivity too, but when I hit that dimmer switch a little bit, like I'm like, Oh, yeah, this is cozy. There is a thing called mood lighting. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like just not having fluorescence. Wow. Big fan. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I, I think anyone that wants to be in private practice um, should be in private practice. I, I want to support anybody uh, going into private practice. And I think when I, when I think about my mindset and just who I am now versus who I was two years ago, or even like a year and a half ago, I, the big difference is that, well, well, one, I, I think, I think providers have like an abusive relationship working in like the medical industrial complex. And um, when it comes to abusive relationships, the system's not going to get healthy because what happens when the the system helps people get healthy? They leave the system. That's how abusive relationships work. When when abused people get healthy, they leave it. Um, so I I left the system by creating my own, and I feel like I have all of these tools um, to be kind to myself and take care of myself. And I have the the mental capacity and energy and physical energy and ability to just take care of myself and do all of these things that I never had the ability to do before because I was so burnt out. What do you think is the biggest for you change? And because, you know, we can talk about dimmer switches and, you know, right, natural yeah. light and, the, and they are, they are, they are important is there something more important in your experience that's been created this space and like, what is it in the, is it either in the mindset or is it just the, like what has changed so that this now is a space where it's not draining, but it's restorative. I think, I think some of it is confidence. Um, and my and my skills and ability and just who I am and kind of what I bring to the table as a provider and just as a person, but I think a lot of it is also boundaries. Um, I think the healthcare system benefits from a lot of healers having poor boundaries. Um, yeah. And you know you can just dig into all of the juicy goodness about um, healing and women's work and all of that and nurse practitioners and nurses and you know even you know female physicians, um, and um, I as I've I think when I started initially I had more more struggles with like oh like do I make an exception for this or like do I do I do that or and now it just feels like no. Nope, this is what I need to, to live my life and have a sustainable practice. So that looks like, yep, you got to get your, your intake paperwork in before you ever see me. And yep. Like this is how we do online scheduling. I'm a single provider of practice. I cannot answer the phone every time you want to schedule. Um, I, 
I will not, you know, spend money on having someone just answer phones. That's, that's a waste. Um, so you can, it's, it's a technology age. We can, we can do it. Or once we're in a visit, we can make that appointment together um, for your follow-up. I think a lot of it's boundaries. Um, and, and then some of it's like the mind management of being off work when you're off. Mm -hmm. Um, when I first started, oh my gosh, like there were so many things to do. And, and I think most of the decisions that I made after 6 PM, um, now if you're just, you know, oh, like, let me hop in and change these things around. Um, and it's already, you know, an established process. That's one thing. But any decision that I made after 6 p.m., I I can't remember any that have stuck around and been like a good decision. They were just things that I did because I felt like I needed to do something. Um, so I think being intentional and like taking a step back and looking at the goals um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Does that answer your, your question? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's a, it, it's a nuanced approach because on one hand, as a coach, you know, I coach people as I've coached you probably in the past about, mm -hmm. we have to be careful jumping from one frying pan to another, right? Because if you are in a traditional healthcare model and you think it sucks and you think all the things suck and you know, the people pleasing perfectionism or the placating get in the way and cause some extra suffering for you, which for a lot of people they do. If we take you out of that system and put you in a new system, a different one, you may still bring some of your old tendencies around and some of your old mm -hmm. habits. And we're not, I'm not here to judge it, but just to call light to the fact that some people think, well, if I go from traditional healthcare over to private practice, all of my woes will be solved. And that just isn't this simply the, the no, damn definitely case. Not. It's just, no, right. Like you just bring all your shit with you. It's just in baggages and you, you pack it up real nice and tight, like for the moving vans to come. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you get to your new place and inevitably all these boxes get unpacked and you're like, Ugh, and you get burnt out again. And so I see that happen, um, sometimes. And I think, um, so I think it's, it's important to just notice that number one, but also then number two to say, well, then how do you become the person who goes from burnout in a traditional healthcare system to building a private practice, but really, you know, creating one that serves you and serves mm -hmm. the, the creates a result that you want for your patients, your clients. And I think you're right in that, you know, mindsets, huge uh, boundaries are huge. And then just the, in, the intentionality piece, which is like creating this, you know, structure where you're like, yeah, this, these are the days I work and, and really having the confidence and self-trust to say, yeah, if I'm sick, I'm sick and I don't come in. And if I like, these are the containers that we've set up, I have trust in people and faith that they can figure it out. If they can, I'm sure they will reach out or they may go elsewhere and that's okay. And this is the system I've set up. If you want to come join, we'd love to have you. If not, you know, we wish you all the best. You know, so right, that's right. a very different mindset approach. So, so for some, and I think for most people, it's usually a mixture of both, which is the system often is shitty. It is, you mm -hmm. know, an abusive relationship. I mean, the, I agree with you, the medical industrial complex is its own beast and built on, you know, with a patriarchal model. And so if, so that in and of itself is a problem, but when we take you out of that and put you into this dimmer switches and natural light. It doesn't just fix people pleasing and perfectionism and it doesn't no, it fix, doesn't. 
you know, all of the, you know, imposter, the insecurity and sometimes the inadequacy and the second guessing and all that shit. And, and I so- would say that like the difference is, you know, when I'm here, when I'm in my own practice, I have the ability to change that, right? So if I am, have never been a morning person um, and I keep trying to start my clinic at uh, nine o'clock, which I know for some people, they're going to be like, what? Nine, you need eight, eight. Um, nine o'clock was even too much for me. And now we're at 9.15. Not, not huge, but a game changer for me and when I start my day um, and scheduling an hour visit for patients and telling them that they get 50 minutes. So I'm charting that 10. Um, that's a game changer. And then just having like a hard policy about if it's paperwork, we have to have a visit for it. Um, letting people know that up front, like all things that are small, but really add up. Add up to Mm -hmm. protecting your time and energy and even to telling patients, you know, that when, when I'm not here, I'm home with my family. So, um, I'm typically responding within 24 to 48 hours. And a lot of my patients know that when it comes to, to needs, you may have to go to an urgent care, um, if I can't get you in and that's, that's fine. And when it Mm -hmm. comes to, to mental health, refills um and and you know prescriptions i'm giving three months every time to protect my time so i don't have to worry about this like refill thing while also telling patients you gotta see me at this date let's schedule now mm-hmm. um so we're not chasing chasing it around later um that's, yeah. I think so, though, that's such an evolution, I think for you just watching you grow, which is becoming a very, like, just a very powerful, like, no, this is just how it is. And, you know, and, 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 right. and I think that comes from a very, comes from a powerful place, but also comes from a very peaceful place, which is like, this is a system I've set up. And, you know, uh, again, if you're here, if you, if you want to come join, happy to have you, if this isn't for right. you we wish all the best. Do you know, like, it's just a very right. un- unattached, uh, which I think is, is huge. And I, that's such a shift. I think just well, watching you grow over I the think past couple of years as a midwife too. Like I had a lot of guilt one. I, I mean, gosh, I had a lot of guilt when I went into the, um, into the outpatient only setting where even if I'd tell people, you know, I'd say I'm a nurse practitioner, um, nurse midwife, because people would be like nurse midwife, you have to deliver babies. Who are you if you're not delivering babies? Um, and in Washington State, we are um, advanced. No, we are um, we're nurse practitioners if we're CNMs. So that's that's how I explain my licensure to people. Um, and I practice to the fullest scope that I can outpatient um, in a way that supports my work life balance. But but when I talked to my point was when I talked to midwives, um, especially when I was first starting a lot of them would uh, really have strong beliefs about why I should take um, like state insurances or Medicare or Medicaid because they were. And then I would have guilt about not wanting to do that because of how low those reimbursement rates were. Um, and I was seeing that like their business is not doing well. They're having a difficult time feeding their family and they're working like dogs 
no, like, I don't want to do that. But I had all of this like moral conflict um, about it because I mean, what, what are the the slogans were like a midwife for, for every woman, mm-hmm. um, you know, from, from birth, you know, to end of life, mm-hmm. not like actually, I don't have to be the provider for everyone. And feasibly, I can't be the provider for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm burnt out to the point that I can't care for anyone, who does that serve to? Yeah, um, and, and all I would say four of, I think four of the people like in my life that were um, providers that had the strongest beliefs about that, um, all of, all of them are no longer in practice because they're too burnt out. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I mean, we, it's in our whole profession. It's in like our, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I think in our midwifery profession for sure. Um, okay. Where, where for you, where is spectrum health going over the next, I don't know, two to five years? What does that look like? Uh, so, um, I, I love, I love what I do and what I get to do. Uh, so I think someone's going to join me at some point. I think it's difficult to find, um, someone who's, who has, you know, um, a sexual medicine background and, um, wants to center like the LGBTQI population and does transgender health and has a, a body diversity, you know, haze framework. So, Am I going to find all those things in one person? No, but it would be lovely um, to find someone who has a few of those things and wants to wants to join me. So that would be kind of big picture. Um, and and then I'm working on a, a menopause study guide that I'll publish and and put out here pretty soon. And um, I've been doing some speaking events and education. Um, because that is one way that I also see myself giving back is if you're, if, if I can help train other providers or support other providers and being more confident at prescribing, um, you know, evidence-based menopause hormone therapy um, or treating sexual dysfunction and serving transgender patients, then I will happily do that. So I've been doing uh, some speaking uh, events, both paid and unpaid, and it's been great. Mm-hmm. So a mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, Mm -hmm. I'd say, um, more speaking events. Um, I'll finish that book, hire on, add some people. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. I think your practice is built around the things that you love and the things that are like that you enjoy doing. And I've been impressed just that on your commitment to the educational piece, which is not only for yourself, but also for your, the people around you in terms of, you know, bringing everybody up to speed and creating a, um, whether it's your courses or your presentations or your, you know, the study guide and stuff. I think it's a testament to how you like to do business, which is like, I'm going to learn it and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to help the other people learn it. And, um, and that's an incredible, I'm totally biased because I like to do business that way too. To me, it just feels mm-hmm. like it yeah, feels an integrity. It feels, yeah. Right. And it feels like, you know, plays to my strengths. And so I love that you do that. Um, okay. So, so it's growing, so it's growing the practice, maybe bringing on somebody. 
Um, and, and then increasing the amount of touch points, maybe on speaking and the, um, and then diversifying revenue streams with maybe mentorship or books or study guides or selling some actual products. Uh, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's then, are you, you know, I think back to your, um, your first call, which, and, and seeing in the video and I was like, where does she live? Like, it's like, you know, I'm here in Cleveland. It's a, I'm in a suburb. It is a, you know, uh, it, it's, I remember seeing it on camera and thinking, is it a farm or maybe it was a chicken or I don't know. I feel like there was something and I was like, this is a different, like, what is this Bellingham, Washington area? This is a different, this is different than Cleveland, Ohio, different come from, you know, and, um, and so I, so I, I wonder is your, what is your version of living the good life? And is it, do you have elements of it now or are you working toward it or what do you think? Yeah. So I think, um, I think some of those elements have changed as, um, I think, I think being a parent, <laughs> I think that transition has like very much changed. Um, so part of that definition, uh, is really like what kind of childcare um I can afford and su and support and what I can do to build a life for for my kid um and the freedom for for scheduling um scheduling family time um scheduling off work time I love my evenings um and um I'm lucky in where I live that you know we have the ability to do a ton of like micro adventures and hiking and, and all those types of things. So um, more of that, I think the resources and, and ability to travel um, within and outside of the country um, and just to decrease any stress or like mental load that I can. Um, and part of, yeah, having the practice is increasing my ability to do that. I just got a virtual scribe set up oh, um, that charting um, my visits for me. How's it going? Good. Good. And I'm using DeepScribe. So definitely like more expensive than than freed AI or some other things that I, I think people are using, but great. Um and I just I put it into my consent form. Um oh I forget how I worded it, but it was um it was like, uh, oh, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at how I worded it because um, that was something that initially, I mean, probably six months ago when I started looking at it, I was like, oh no, what am I, what are patients going to think? How are they going to say yes? Oh um, my gosh. That, and, you know, I, it, you know, what's funny is that, hold on, just before you go for, I don't think yeah. I even, uh, this is me being, you know, centered on myself, but like, I, and I've not, I don't use any of the AI software for charting mm -hmm. or whatever, or, um, documentation, but I, it's so funny that your brain went to like, what are they going to think? Cause I'm just like, Oh, if it makes yeah. sense, I just fucking do it. Like who, who cares yeah, what the well, patients think? Well, and it has to, it, well, part of it's like, you have to listen. It has to listen. Right. Right. So right. From a privacy standpoint, it makes total sense to right, have no, right. that's for sure. And it's HIPAA compliant, but, um, and I, it's, I just put, you know, spectrum and it's providers value the patient and provider experience. Your provider may utilize virtual scribe assistance during visits to lessen the administrative burden of charting 
and as a protected workplace accommodation. Thank you for supporting work-life balance for everybody. Mm, I love it. I love your, that's I it. Love it. It's fantastic. So, so okay, it's wait, like, wait, boom. what, what platform are you using again? Um, for what? <laughs> for, 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 um, for, for virtual scribe, which one is it? Um, deep scribe. Deep scribe. Okay. All right. Do you have a code that you can use as a, like an affiliate code? Do they give you one of those at all? No. And right now they're pretty, tell them I sent you because I want them to do more things for me. If, yeah. if you, if any of you guys end up going with them right now, they're a newer, um, a newer startup. So it's, it's still pretty, um, bespoke where you're, you're starting up with like an actual person, they're onboarding you, they're creating some templates for you. You're doing like check-ins with them every two weeks, um, as, as, as they, they build out stuff. So, um, it, I would, I would say, yeah, it's so far, it's been a good experience. And I'm only like two or three weeks in and they are fully integrated into my charting system practice fusion, but I think they do lots of other integrations too. Um, so I'm not like copy and pasting things from one thing into another thing yeah. and chasing around. It's just there. Fantastic. I love it. All right. So, so nice. yeah, right. All right. Anything you think, um, last thing, anything that you wish you had known as an entrepreneur before going out and doing your own thing that could have been useful that you'd think would be useful to tell somebody else? Cause we have a lot of people on here who are, you know, they're just kind of dipping a toe in and they're, you know, they're swimming in burnout or they're just thinking about like maybe my first side hustle or, or doing something that is mm -hmm. considered outside of the box. What advice would you give them? Um, I would say, uh, I mean, it's cliche, but perfection is the enemy of done. And if you're not going to do what you want to do, um, I, I'd look at why. Um, I, because I, I do hear a lot of other people say, well, you know, once I get NAM certified, then, then I'll start, you know, mm -hmm. treating, treating menopause. And I'm like, well, you can, you can have access to all of those guidelines and resources and you can know that shit and you can wow. practice it and you can be evidence-based, which protects you from a liability perspective. You don't need that stamp to do it. So if, if that is, if, if there's something that you feel like you need to do, I would just look at why. Is it insecurity? Is it like, do you think that that perfectionism is going to like shield you from critique? Um, or make you less like vulnerable to, to any of those feelings. I would say that, um, would be my, my biggest advice would say, take a look at that. Um, and then the other thing, um, would be figure out what you actually enjoy and what you actually want to do. Um, before I started this practice, I, I was just like, okay, well, I know I want to go into doing my own thing. And I ended up like, you know, spending money on like an IUI course. And by the end of the course, I was like, nope, doesn't, doesn't meet my, my yeah. requirements for living the good life. Um, yeah. I cannot be on call for someone's ovulation. I do not want that. I cannot be out of town when I want. Um, I will be in the office on the weekends or in the evenings sometimes. Don't want it. How to save that money. Um, if I just looked at what I yeah, wanted but, first, but you also know too, the exercise that we went through on that was that 
you built a, you know, we built a business model for a IUI practice where you could do more, you know, you could do procedures. And I think that was a good, you, I, see, that's funny that you're like, oh man, poo-pooing the course well, because you learn, think of all you learn from that. Well, and I learned, I learned from it, but it wasn't like when I, when I did it, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like start doing this like IUI thing on the side. And I, I think I learned some good bits for it. And I do have, I do have actually like two patients that I'm going to do IUI for, but, <laughs> um, but I, I would caution people from just saying, yes, that looks like a good opportunity. Yes. That looks like a good business. If that's not actually, um, where their joy is. Um, yeah. so if you, if you love Botox, yes, go for it. If you love, um, you know, working with people for weight loss and hormone therapy, yes, go for it. Um, but if you do not love hormone therapy and working, uh, with people in perimenopause and menopause, uh, don't do that. You're not gonna have a good time. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's a good, um, I think it's a great, it's always a good question to be like, what do I want? you know, what really, what, like, where's my desire? Like if I had to wipe the slate clean and only work with one type of patient, like who are my favorite kinds of patients? Like, what would I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I love it. Cause I, like, I think of my own practice and I'm like, I'm doing the talking that I used to love to do. And I'm doing it in a way that's just, you know, it, it helps to build the relationship. And those are the elements of the visit that I've always loved. Mm-hmm. So like, now I get to do that the way I like it, which is fantastic. Um, Okay. All right. How can people find you if they want to find you or, you know, maybe send a DM to you or reach out to you? How can they do that? Yeah. So they can absolutely do that um, on Instagram, Spectrum Reproductive Health. Um, And then the website is, you know, spectrumreproductivehealth.com. There's a contact form there. There's some speaking information there. Um, And if they want to schedule a visit, um, if they're in Washington state, we do virtual care, or if they want to come up to Bellingham, um, they're certainly welcome to, uh, and then you can always email me through the website. Um, and if you want to be kept up to date on what we're doing or when the book comes along, uh, for that, that NAMS study guide resource, uh, they can always email me too, Andrea at spectrum reproductive health. Love it. All right. Everybody go find Andrea. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really nice to hear your story. And, uh, and again, just, you know, my personal insight into watching you grow over the past couple of years, I think it's just been incredible to witness. And uh, I think you're a amazing example of what's possible when you just really take a step back and say, what do I want? And, and then you go out and you get it and you do it and you build it. And so, you know, you've done, you've done all those things. So congratulations to you on your success, what you're building now and building for down the road. And, um, and thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I think it's going to be so helpful for somebody who's out there, if not one many. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks so much for all your help.